0: Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Conversations. It's Angela here, and I'm just so happy that you've chosen to spend some of your day with us here to... um, discuss some important issues and to think about some important issues and to ultimately and hopefully bring them back to your kitchen tables. Um, uh, you know, it's just this has been uh, an interesting summer actually so far. And, and most of the time summers tend to slow down a little bit. You know, we're all sort of in summer mode and, and lots of times the issues that uh, bring us to a therapist, for example, tend to kind of calm down a little bit for some families because we don't have the pressures of the routine and the homework and all the hustle and bustle that goes along with the... Um, the beginning and, and the, the goings-on during the school year. However, for many families, uh, summertime presents some additional challenges because there are some, uh, many people who really do better with a routine and a sense of structure and a team around them to support uh, sometimes just typical developmental needs and other times some real uh, developmental challenges. So, uh, today I am going to talk a little bit about some of the ongoing issues that families are facing um, in an effort to again reduce the stigma, increase understanding, and to broaden our audience when it comes to things like uh, the topic of prenatal alcohol exposure and prenatal substance exposure. I think we need to continue to add on to that because. There is a lot of emerging evidence that's indicating that um, marijuana use during pregnancy is not um, healthy for the development of our babies either. So there's lots of things that we need to consider as with any kind of medication or in fact anything that we choose to ingest during pregnancy. Um, You know, we need to know what kinds of risks are associated with it. So um, the reason why this is on the forefront for me is because summertime does mean that for many in, in our culture here in Canada that there's, you know, kind of a, a, a relaxed idea or understanding around our alcohol use. And there's a lot more social activities and um, hopefully a lots of opportunity for sunshine and water sports or water play and, and some beverages for many. And I'm not here to to make a judgment around that. I do encourage everyone to look at uh, our guidelines for healthy um, alcohol uh, policy and alcohol use, um, recognizing that we know a lot more about alcohol now than what we used to. And and there are some serious risks for those who choose to partake and also for um, some serious implications for growing babies. And the evidence is now pretty clear that dads have a role to play in this as well. So I think that's really important to understand that, you know, we're we're really trying hard to reduce the stigma and certainly to reduce blame and shame because there's no I've been in this field for many, many years and I've never seen a parent deliberately harm their growing babies um, by consuming things that uh, that could pose risk to the development. Um, There continues to be a lot of misinformation. So this is the the purpose of today's uh, kitchen table conversation is to clarify. September 9th is International FASD Day and many people take the opportunity to acknowledge the entire month um, and work towards prevention and increasing awareness. And I think that this is amazing, and it's really important, and I think that more and more people are starting to understand that consuming alcohol during pregnancy poses some serious risk. However, what I'm learning in my prevention efforts, in our prevention efforts, um, is that they're not working. In fact, more people are consuming alcohol during their pregnancy now than they were 10 years ago. So clearly, we have to do things differently. And also, I believe wholeheartedly that uh, when asked about alcohol consumption, most people don't consider the weeks before the pregnancy was confirmed. And we now know that this is significant. So, in other words, unplanned pregnancies pose an additional risk. And what I'm also seeing is that this message is not um, being shared or understood as it's intended. And there's a number of different reasons for that. And I think one of them would be, you know, I had a friend say to me, and it can't be that bad. All of our parents drank and we're all fine. And I might have quoted her before, but I'm here to say, define fine. Fine for one thing. Uh, And not all of our parents consumed alcohol. I can tell you mine did not. She smoked cigarettes because that was the thing. Uh, So, you know, I may have a little bit of um, concentration difficulties as a result of that, potentially. However, um, alcohol was not a part of my history. So I'm grateful for that. um, Because I don't need life to be any harder than what it already is. But You know, alcohol consumption during pregnancy doesn't always result in fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, but there is a direct correlation between alcohol consumption in pregnancy and mental health concerns. And we are in a mental health crisis. We are in a housing crisis. We are seeing many people who are homeless uh, and really desolate and, and really, really struggling. And that my friends is directly related to, um, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, it, it is directly related to prenatal alcohol consumption during pregnancy. And now I want to be clear that this is not all, you know, we, we have to make sure that, you know, our messaging is, is clear. I, I can't say that alcohol causes all the problems that's happening with, with people who are struggling with mental health. But I can tell you that 80% of women in childbearing years consume alcohol. I don't know what the stats are for men, but I'm guessing it's around there. And we now know that men play a role, as I just mentioned. So the health of both parents matters when it comes to prenatal health and we are seeing an increase in mental health conditions and we are seeing, uh, we talk about it all the time about behaviors of young people and, you know, we chalk it up to poor parenting and poor decision making or stubborn little kids or kids that don't know to follow rules and are so disrespectful. Just got a post yesterday on Facebook talking about how good it was, you know, 40 years ago when parents... Um, had a little bit more impact on their kids and kids were more respectful and they knew how to speak when they walked into a room, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like our parents are trying just as hard today as they were 30 and 40 years ago to be the best parents they can be. And I think that our kids are trying the best they can to be the best humans that they can be. However, life is complicated right now and COVID certainly didn't help and our alcohol culture needs to be examined And again, the misinformation needs to be examined. So, I mean, I've been doing this work for a long, long time. And it surprises me that, you know, on a daily basis, I have conversations with people in my circle who still don't really understand the risks associated with uh, alcohol consumption. And I was even challenged the other day with regards to um an individual in my circle who's struggling with mental health and addictions, and this person actually challenged um, me by saying, "So you think that parent drank alcohol? Like, what about that parent?" And and I'm like, "No, I didn't. I didn't say that at all." This person, you know, experienced some trauma, some family disruption, um, consumed substances of a variety of sorts early on in their youth and their developmental stages, which definitely plays a role in the development of executive functioning and planning abilities, and it interferes with memory and anger management and and, uh, affect regulation and overall mental health. So I'm not here to say that everybody struggling with mental health conditions had a parent who consumed alcohol. But I am here to say that we can prevent a lot from happening by increasing the awareness. So I guess what was puzzling to me is that there was the assumption that anybody that consumes alcohol, even really tiny, small amounts, is going to end up with kids with FASD. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that alcohol poses no health benefit to the pregnancy, and it poses a significant risk. And we now know that Two binge drinks, which is four standard drinks within a short period of time, or an, you know an evening consumed uh, consuming alcohol, two of those within a pregnancy or more than seven drinks in a week, is enough to meet criteria that could result in fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is a significant lifelong condition that affects the brain and the body forever. And it, uh, you know, affects, I had somebody in my session yesterday that, you know, is on an individual education plan since the word go because math and English are both really, really difficult for her. Um, And they wouldn't have been had there not been. alcohol a part of her development so again you know had another conversation about a week ago where we were talking about challenging adolescents and in somebody else's circle and within 25 minutes we were able to identify 11 people who were confirmed exposed to alcohol prenatally prior to the pregnancy being confirmed who are all struggling with puzzling Uh, mental health presentations and learning presentations, yet with what I often refer to as pockets of brilliance and some real strengths and some real ability to communicate and to get along well and seem like they understand rules, but yet are not always able to follow them. And I mean, of course, that's typical teenage behavior. But some of these behaviors are not typical, like confabulation or lying about the obvious and you know just just not learning from from mistakes and trying really hard to be the best people they can be but yet stumbling and being very vulnerable within social circumstances so so I'm bringing this back up as a topic of conversation, because I think, again, it's really, really important uh, to clarify some of these myths and misunderstandings, um, and do our best to encourage the healthiest of pregnancies. And when we know better, we can do better. And really and truly, I was just speaking with somebody today who has FASD and who's an adult struggling, um, but yet with, you know, tremendous strengths and just a, a beautiful human overall, but struggles with things and, and wonders why after 20 years of advocacy are we still having to have some of these conversations and why are pregnancies still being exposed to alcohol? I had a conversation again with somebody in my extended circle. Who you know has a has a baby that has been exposed to, to moderate amounts of alcohol prior to the pregnancy being confirmed. Um, and since the, the day of confirmation, there's been no alcohol and only good things um, you know, consumed, and the best of healthcare and the best of parenting strategies. And this little person is adorable but has some vision problems and is quite rigid in her uh, needs and uh, structure and routine. Has absolutely no fear of, you know, a lot of things and is, you know, doing really well in many, many areas. But there are some concerns around um, attention and around mood and, clinginess and you know again just strict routines and that kind of stuff so but at two or three years old or four years old these behaviors are quite within the realm of you know the variances often found within developmental stages so nothing really obvious but the effects of alcohol and substance during pregnancy, you know, the the gap widens as the expectations increase. So now we're looking at we've got this baby who's spirited, who's energetic, who's hilarious, who's got no fear, who, you know, is just a real spunk. Um, And now we're going to have another pregnancy that, again, we're not taking precautions prior to um, planning for a baby. In fact, in one instance, it was like, yeah, well, if it happens, it happens as she's opening up, um, uh, a can of, of a cooler or whatever, right? So again, I'm sitting here going, I, I'm watching this happen and I am wondering how collectively we can send these messages in a more direct, but yet still a compassionate way and not blaming like these are not people who don't care these are people who are so smart and so kind and such hard workers and so dedicated to being the best parents that they can possibly be but yet for whatever reason the message has not been clear around the fact that there's no safe amount no safe time and no safe type of alcohol that can be consumed during the entire pregnancy, even in those very early weeks. Messages are constantly being shared that are inaccurate. In fact, a recent Time article talked about um, prohibition and the effects of alcohol, um, you know, over communities. And, and actually, there's some documentation that alcohol became more difficult to access once prohibition um, was lifted. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of controversy or conversation or healthy debate that needs to take place around, you know, limiting access and that kind of thing. Um, however, it's very clear that alcohol on every corner and easy access to it does increase the risks of adverse outcomes. But in this article, it talks about um, the effects of alcohol on a pregnancy, but it's still using dated information and inaccurate and outdated statistics. So it talks here about, um, you know, 10% of women globally still drinking while pregnant, which is not true. It's a little bit more than that. And it quotes about 119,000 babies annually are born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Now here in Canada, and in most places globally, we don't use fetal alcohol syndrome anymore, because fetal alcohol syndrome um, speaks Only to individuals who have facial features and physical anomalies um, such as low birth weight um, and uh, etc. But we know that that affects only less than 10% of people who have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So now fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a diagnostic term that encompasses everyone who's been impacted significantly by prenatal alcohol exposure, um, where, you know, a, a comprehensive multidisciplinary assessment of the brain domains um, clearly indicate that in at least three out of 10 of those domains, there are significant difficulties that that are lifelong and that are developmental in nature. So again, we're, these statistics here are, are inaccurate, but this is in a time magazine. So this is why, you know, 119,000 babies is a lot but we've got to multiply that by well 90 90 percent more than that is what's really accurate when we talk about the prevalence rates of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and then we've got to talk about the fact that our diagnostic capacity is so low that most people who have FASD and would qualify for the full diagnosis, we'll never know it. And then we have to consider the individuals who are struggling with depression and anxiety, and maybe a speech, slight speech impediment, or maybe they'd struggle a little bit more in some topic areas in school, or subject areas, pardon me, in school, that is directly related to prenatal health, but we don't even consider it. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope to heck that this goes back to your kitchen table and we work together to help spread the message, to clarify things and to do our best to prevent a developmental disability that affects more people than any other developmental disability. I am so proud to say that I had a family member say to me just the other day you are making a difference and you really are and it brings me to tears right now because I do know that I have a lovely family member who's planning a pregnancy and who has chosen to um, not drink anything at all for um, a few months actually um, to you know to really make sure that her pregnancy can be as healthy as it can be so yay. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, Angela.